Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Can we give it up in Kendallin? Amen. It's been a joy to watch their journey, and I love um, one of the lines that Alex said there, everything Jesus was, the Holy Spirit is. And so as we kick this series off today, um, there is a lot of confusion about the topic of the Holy Spirit, Um, and because we all have different experiences with church, with the Bible, with the way we were raised. I know that even within this church, we have a lot of people who have zero church background. This is their only uh, church experience, but we have a lot of people that have a Catholic background, a Methodist, a Baptist. Uh, some, some people here have been a part of churches that, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing the churches. I'm just saying, you know, you can only preach at the level of revelation you have, but maybe you were a part of a church that they preached against the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so I, I understand there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, uh, but I also know that within Christian circles and communities that most people will identify and agree with that there is a trinity. They, they will agree it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They have no problem with that at all. But the interesting thing to me is that of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the only one still in the earth is often the one most ignored. God the Father and Jesus are not in the earth. The Holy Spirit is. And yet he is often the most ignored. He is often the one where there's a lot of confusion surrounding him. And so the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son. Now, we only have about three weeks to dive into this series, and I'm not going to be able to cover everything about the Holy Spirit, but I do believe that you're going to get some truths that's going to impact your relationship, not only with God and Jesus, it's going to impact your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to call this first message, I'm going to call it a friend like no other. A friend like no other. Let's look at John's Gospel Starting, uh, it'd be the 16th chapter. We're going to look at one verse to kick us off. Verse 7. It says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. I'm going to just stop there and I want you to tell your neighbor, You have an advantage. Come on, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else, You have an advantage. These are the words of Jesus. So get this I, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, according to Jesus, his followers, his disciples, those that identify with Christ have an advantage in life known as the Holy Spirit. If Jesus said we have an opportunity 
to live in the earth with an advantage. I'm all ears because I don't know about you. I need all the help I can get. Anybody feel me with that? I need all the help I can get. And it's for this reason we're going to study the Holy Spirit and how he functions in our everyday life. And so I'm going to attack some of the most common misbeliefs and unpack the advantage that you have by by having the Holy Spirit's friendship in your life. Now, across every elementary playground, there are a few universally held codes. If the merry-go-round at the playground isn't going fast enough to kill you, it's going too slow. The gum underneath the bleachers is fair game. Just put it back when you're finished. Boys on the playground have to. The code is they got to avoid girls, and girls have to avoid boys because uh, each has an infectious disease that we call cooties. These are the codes of the playground. I can remember growing up as a, as a young boy and, and, and thinking every girl had cooties and wanted nothing to do with them. And then I fell in love to this beautiful woman on the front row, and I look back at how I was avoiding something that became the best part of my life. And I say that to say this, I believe that those of you that have been avoiding the Holy Spirit or confused about the Holy Spirit or been a little distant about the Holy Spirit, by the time we get done with this series, you're going to think to yourself, I was avoiding the one that has now become the best part of my life. Anybody believe that's going to happen over the next three weeks? I believe that's going to happen. Now, After years of uh, studying the scriptures on the Holy Spirit, and I I don't want this to sound, um, you know, prideful or arrogant, Um, I believe that you need to study the scriptures, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's not just a doctrine. He's someone you're supposed to be experiencing. And so after years of studying what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and years of experiencing him in my life, what I have learned is that the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. And that's why I'm imploring you to open up your heart, let the scriptures, not culture, inform your faith. And if you will, I'm confident that you will see that you have an incredible advantage as the, as the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you open up your heart to what he wants to do. Uh, and, and I believe that's going to happen. Now, for this to happen, you have to understand that God's goal is not that you and I are able to pass a doctrine of the Spirit test. Like, like it, it's not a doctrine that, that he wants us to pass the test on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's much more about that you and I become personal friends with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, from the message translation says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Notice that Paul highlights an experience that he wants us to have with each person of the Godhead. He starts with Jesus. 
He says, I want you to know the amazing grace of Jesus. This is the grace that Jesus took the punishment of our sin upon himself, and it's grace because it's a gift that is unearned. How many are thankful for the grace Jesus has bestowed on your life? Anybody thankful for grace? He says, the grace of Jesus, and he says, I want you to know the love of the Father. I love this. Because the love of the Father is unconditional. It's ever-present. It's never wavering. And once I grasp his love, I can easily say, if God be for me, who can be against me? So Paul says, I want you to know the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father. But he concludes by saying, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I want you to know him as your friend. I want you to know him as your friend. You see, Paul knows that in the human existence, more than displays of power, which are needed at times, we need a companion. Let me explain this. I I don't know about you, but I don't need a miracle every day. I don't need a miracle every single day of my life. I don't need a miracle every day. But I do need to be accepted, listened to, encouraged, and guided. I need a friend every single day. And so I don't live every day needing a miracle, and the Holy Spirit can give you a miracle, but I I live every day needing a companion, needing a friend to lead me and to guide me. It's why one theologian said doctrines about the Spirit are necessary and inevitable. But the all-important question is not what we mentally believe, but what we experimentally enjoy. Not a doctrine to be understood, but a Friend, a friend that we experience every single day. He's saying that it's the friendship, not scholarship, that makes the difference. As many of you know, I, I, I try to run um, as much as possible, and it started back in about 2017, and I go through seasons when I don't do it and seasons when I do do it. Uh, but I can remember when I first started running, I would go out, either to a track or to the river trail, and I would run by myself. And no matter, uh, you know, how many blogs I read, how many tips I looked up online, you know, to, to, to talk about gait and stride and breathing, every time I would go out all by myself to run, it seemed like the run was always long, it was always hard, it was always difficult, because the only voice I had to listen to was my own voice saying, I'm tired, I don't have enough wind, I can't run three miles, I need to stop at two. And it, it was at that point that I realized that it might be beneficial official, instead of running alone, that I get somebody to run with me. And and so what happened is, is me and John Ratliff connected. Uh, If you don't know John, he's a hoot. I I mean, he's just a lot of fun. But we became running buddies, and we began to train for a half marathon. And, And so, and what I noticed about running alone versus running with John is that when I ran with John, the run was a totally different experience. When, when we ran together, the route did not seem as long. It did not seem as difficult. I had more fun. I had more energy. The time seemed to fly by because I was running with someone else because somehow a friend always makes the journey easier. And unfortunately, some of you have been running the path 
path of life alone, and tired has become your state of being. Your thoughts are more a liability than an asset. And the only way you keep going is by saying, if I could get through the end of this day, the end of this week, the end of this month, if I could just make it to my next vacation, and, and those false finish lines never really deliver. And what? And you may say, well, how can someone who has God in their life or has the Holy Spirit in their life, how can their thoughts become liabilities instead of assets? How can they live tired? How can their life be filled with drudgery? How can they be worn out and burned out and depressed? And I believe it's because we've learned the art of going through life without the friend known as the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me out right here. The road is a whole lot harder without the Holy Spirit. The journey is more difficult without the Holy Spirit. The only voice you're going to hear are negative voices and your own negative voice. If you don't invite the friendship of the Holy Spirit because he will encourage when you're down and out. He'll set you free if you've been in bondage. He'll give you direction when you're confused about which turn to take. The Holy Spirit wants to be there every second of every day. It's why Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I leave because if I don't leave, he can't come. But if I leave, he can come and he will He'll be your helper. He'll be your helper. You need a partner. You need a pal. You need a friend. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. In a world where people search out companionship, friendship, sometimes in all the wrong places. They have one who is ready, available, 24-7 to become the closest companion you've ever known. See, your greatest need has already been met. You have been given access to the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you that, that he is a friend like no other, no other because the truth is people have bad days and people have mood swings. But he is never rude and he is never harsh. He is the kindest, most gentle, most faithful person I have ever met. People can be mean and manipulative, but he will never embarrass you. He will never degrade you. He is always helpful, always willing to empower you. People have selfish agendas, but the Holy Spirit's generosity and commitment is unmatched. He believes in you more than you believe in you, and you don't have to run the race of life, life alone. You've been given an advantage, a partner, a friend. If you believe that, give him some praise right there. He's your friend. So how do we fully realize this friendship? Three points that I want to give you. How do we fully realize the friendship of the Holy Spirit? Number one, you must redefine the Holy Spirit as a person. Now, this seems elementary, but so many people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, a force, a cloud. But he is a person. He's not just a force or some 
kind of energy or mystic cloud floating here and there. The Holy Spirit is not just an experience. He is more present. He is not more present when I get loud. He is not more present when you feel like the worship team knocked it out of the park today. Holy Ghost was really present. Whether they're on key or off key, he's present. Whether they, 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 they bring the goosebumps all over your body or not, whether I get loud or not, the Holy Spirit, he is present all the time. He's not just a power that we experience or harness. He's an all-knowing, ever-present, all-loving person. And you may ask today, what makes the Holy Spirit, what makes him a person? The same thing that makes you a person, a personality. The Holy Spirit has a personality. Look at these scriptures. They're not on the screen. These are just some things. You may want to jot them down so that you can kind of connect the dots in Romans 8, 27, we're told the Holy Spirit has a mind. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, we're told the Holy Spirit has a will. In Romans 15 and 30 and Galatians 5 and 22, it tells us that the Holy Spirit has emotions such as love and joy. In Hebrews 3, 7, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit speaks. In Hebrews 10, 29, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. In Acts 7, the Holy Spirit, we see, can be resisted. And in Acts chapter 5, we know the Holy Spirit can be lied to. It's his personhood that makes a relationship possible. But it requires our perspective to change, to relate to him that way. See, when we treat the Holy Spirit any less than a person, then we live with less than he offers because he's a person. Every relationship you have is only successful for two reasons. Y'all ready? Every relationship is only successful for two reasons. Time and attention. That's it. Time and attention. For example, if on our wedding day, if I told Pastor Karen on our wedding day, you know, we, we finish up the wedding, we're a few hours later, and I look at her and say, hey, earlier today, I pledged my life to you, I pledged my commitment to you, and, you know, I, I want to know you more than any other person on the planet. I want us to grow close, I want us to, to, to grow strong together, um, but we're only going to talk on Sundays from 9 to 10.15. Now, let me just go ahead and say, she probably would have said, boy, go ahead and cancel the honeymoon. This, this is over. Why? Why? Because a relationship takes time. It, it takes attention. Time and attention make a relationship successful. If I were to take that a step further and say, we do spend every day together. We sit on the couch together. We ride in the car together. We go to church together. We eat dinner together. But we're always on our phones. Eventually, we would be scrolling divorce lawyers. Why? Because we lack time and attention. I'm going somewhere. Hit somebody and say, he's going somewhere. It's time and attention. If, if that is true for my marriage, then it's true for my relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, and his sole desire is a growing relationship with you. And watch this. He has given you all his time. Every minute, every moment of every day, he has given it to you. 
And you will always have the Holy Spirit's undivided attention, full attention. He even knows the number of hairs on your head. So if he has given you all his time and all his attention, then the only reason you wouldn't have an incredible friendship with the Holy Spirit is because he doesn't have enough of your time and attention. He has already given you all of his. So if your relationship with him is not where it needs to be, it's because he does not have enough of your time and attention. Number one, we must redefine the Holy Spirit as a person. Number two, you must recognize what damages your relationship with the Holy Spirit. To build a close relationship with another person, it's very important that you take the time to find out what makes that individual tick, that you find out what their likes are, what their dislikes are. Scripture outlines two of the Holy Spirit's dislikes. The first is called grieving. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Everybody say grieving. Grieving the Holy Spirit. One of the foundational desires of the Holy Spirit It's not just, and and I want you to understand, we want you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We want you to speak in tongues. We want you to prophesy. We want you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We want you to pray for dead people and them get back up. We want you to do all the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. But the Holy Spirit's main agenda is to make you and I look more like Jesus. That's his main agenda. So the Holy Spirit, it's not just a tongue or a prophecy or a word of wisdom, but it is to make you and I more like Jesus. And so this transformation of making us more like Jesus is only possible when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our attitudes, our mindsets, and our actions. Grieving the Spirit is the result of resisting his work in us. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit is working in you to make you look more like Jesus. When you and I resist what he's doing in us, the scripture says we are now grieving the Holy Spirit. It's why Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So what happens is when I ignore the Holy Spirit's promptings in my life, how does the Holy Spirit prompt me? He may speak to you. He may give you a dream. He may prompt you through a sermon or a message. He may prompt you uh, in your daily devotional with a Bible verse. And, And so what happens is when I ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit or I act opposite of the way he has directed me to act and what his will is, I have now grieved the Holy Spirit. Now that does not mean that the Holy Spirit lives in a constant place of disappointment with us. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. You can only grieve someone you love. The reason the Holy Spirit gets grieved with us at times is because of how much he loves us. 
And when he sees us living less than what God has for us, he is grieved. It would be no different than you wanting your best for your spouse or your children or or, or your parents, and you see them living beneath where, where they should be. You're grieved by Why? Because you love them. The Holy Spirit is often grieved at what he's doing in our lives because we're ignoring the promptings. Those promptings involve sometimes when he's telling you to take out the garbage. I don't mean like in your kitchen. I mean the garbage in your heart. How many of the Holy Spirit's always taking some things out and trying to put better things in? When we ignore those promptings, we are now grieving the Holy Spirit. The second thing is quenching the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain the difference here. Grieving is when I resist what he's doing in me. Quenching is when I resist what he wants to do through me. See, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you so that ultimately he can do a work through you. Grieving is when I resist what he's doing in me. Quenching is when I resist what he wants to do through me. Now, look at this scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, We urge you, brethren, and we admonish admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophetic utterances or gifts. Notice the context of this section is instructing believers on how they relate to others. The writer is highlighting the things the Holy Spirit desires to do through you and I to strengthen and to encourage one another. I've said this oftentimes, the anointing on my life is not for me. The anointing on my life is for you. The Holy Spirit, whatever anointing he has given you, whatever gift he has blessed you with, that gift is not just for your consumption. That gift is for you to bless someone else, to encourage someone else. And it's in the context of how we relate to others that God says you can quench the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how how would that work? What's a practical example of me quenching the Holy Spirit? It would be like me walking into a store on a, let's get away from Sunday because, you know, most of us want to, yeah, bless the Lord. I'm here. Praise God. I'll encourage someone here at the church. But if you're in Walmart and you have, you see someone in a distance and they, and you just kind of notice, they, they look rough. They look discouraged. And, and you just have, and it's a strange, you don't know them. You don't know anything about them. And you're, you're moved with compassion to encourage them. How many of you understand that is the prompting of the Holy Spirit? We, we always wonder, how is God's kingdom supposed to come into the earth? It's supposed to come into the earth through the people of God obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm in Walmart and I see somebody at a distance, which most of us, we don't pay attention because we're too self-involved and narcissistic to see anybody else other than ourselves and our own needs, and instead of, of going over and encouraging them, 
We walk out and we don't do it. What have we done? We have quenched the Holy Spirit. Now, hopefully, the Holy Spirit will put it on somebody else's heart to encourage that person. But what if, what if that doesn't happen? What if they disobey too? I wonder how many miracles we miss because we don't follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because we ignore, we resist, we, we, we make it about ourselves. Oh, I can't do that. Why not? Why can't you do it? If God has saved you, brought you out of darkness into his light, place your feet on a solid foundation, I think the least we could do would be to encourage someone as the Holy Spirit prompts us to encourage them. I think that is the least that we can do. The Holy Spirit is just as much a person as you and I, and he's often grieved and quenched by the way we interact with other people or refuse to interact with other people. So we must redefine the Holy Spirit as a person. We must recognize what damages our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And number three, you must reorient around what deepens your relationship with the Holy Spirit. What's going to deepen your relationship? I've learned that both grieving and quenching are born out of a desire to control. Nothing kills your relationship with the Holy Spirit quicker than trying to control the one who is supposed to be in control. The greatest way to deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit is to let go of control and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do and embrace who he is. Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, he is a teacher, so I should aim to learn from him. He is a teacher. Hit somebody and say, he's a teacher. In, in John 14, 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How many of you have ever been uh, under a teacher in a classroom, you had a teacher who was not passionate about teaching? Have you ever been there before? Like you would rather go into the dental office for a root canal than to sit under a teacher who is not passionate about teaching. The Spirit loves teaching because He loves you and He knows all things. Think about this. He knows all things. Nothing has ever occurred to the Holy Spirit. He knows all things. He's an expert on all subjects. How to be married, the Holy Spirit knows all about it. How to forgive someone who has wronged you, he's an expert. Algebra, no problem. Parenting, he ain't stressed at all about parenting. Why? Because he knows all things. Your best friend knows everything about anything you need to know. But, but he doesn't just teach us in, in life. He also reminds us of everything God has said. For anyone who's ever struggled with the Bible, this is a promise for you. Because before the Holy Spirit was my best friend, sometimes I would read the Bible, I would not understand the Bible, and it was about as exciting as watching paint dry. 
But when I realized the Holy Spirit is a person and I invited the Holy Spirit into my Bible reading time, he is the author of the Bible. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit inspired men, anointed men to put pen to paper. He's the author of the Bible. And who better to invite to my Bible reading time than the Holy Spirit because that's the only way I'm going to move from reading to revelation. He makes the word alive. You say, why are you up there sweating and running around preaching like that? Because he makes the word alive. People make it boring. If you're going to make the word of God boring, please don't communicate it. It's alive. It's full of power. And when the Holy Spirit shines light on the Word of God, then everything about my life comes to life. Does that make sense? He he turns it from reading into revelation. And the reason we want it to move from reading to revelation is because when it becomes revelation, there is also power to live out that revelation. He doesn't just show you how to be a better spouse. He gives you the skills to do it. He doesn't just unlock wisdom for finances. He gives you the discipline to walk it out. He doesn't just present you the hope of healing. There is supernatural power involved that will bring your body to a place of healing and wholeness. He He's a teacher like no other because not only does he communicate what you need to know, he gives you the power to live it out, to walk it out, to exercise it at the workplace, in the home, in your church, in your community. I need somebody to give God praise if you believe that the Holy Spirit is a great teacher. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's a teacher, but he's also a God. He's a God, therefore, aim to follow his lead. One of the things that we are really leaning into is, Holy Spirit, where are you leading us? Where where are you leading us in this season? John 16 and 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The reason we need a God is because tomorrow is a place we've never been. We live with this general sense that tomorrow will be just like today, but that isn't true. And the reason I know that's not true is because if you were to ask people today if they are where they expected to be 10 years ago, and every person would say no, Because the race of life is full of unexpected turns, which makes it difficult to grasp the meaning of this scripture in Proverbs 22. It says in verse number three, a prudent person with insight foresees danger coming and prepares himself for it. But the senseless rush blindly forward and suffer the consequences. How is this true? Because the most wise or prudent person cannot diagnose uh, an economic downturn or something that's coming in the future. But what you have to understand is Proverbs is not a book about human wisdom. It's a book about God being the source of wisdom. And it's why it says that when I reverence God, respect God, fear God, that is the beginning of 
of wisdom. And it's supernatural wisdom. It's not my intellect. It's not my IQ score. It's wisdom that the Holy Spirit has because he knows everything about anything. And he's already been in my future. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's coming up. And when I'm in touch with him, when I'm best friends with him, he can show me things to come. The prudent foresee danger, not because he or she is wise, but because they have a guide. If, if One of the quickest ways you can get to a good place in your walk with the Holy Spirit is to acknowledge just how blind you are on your own. You are blind on your own. But the Holy Spirit has already been in your tomorrow. And he wants to lead you and guide you. We're blind to what is ahead, but that does not mean we can't win the race. He has access to our future. He'll be with us every single turn. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I, I sense, even in the, while I'm preaching this message, that God is about to open a door for someone that has been praying for a door to open. And you've looked in every direction, and it looks like no doors have been opened. But I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm about to open a door for you that no one can shut. And when I open the door for you, you're going to walk through unscathed. I'm going to bless you. I'm prophesying to somebody right now that's been praying for direction, been asking God for wisdom. The Holy Spirit is saying, I have gone ahead of you. I am making crooked places straight. I am preparing something for you so that when you step into your promise, you will know that, that I have accomplished this. Somebody give him praise right there. I got to wind this thing down. Worship team better get in place. You say, well, how, how, can I, how can I know that I can trust him? That seems like a fair question. How can I know that I can trust the Holy Spirit? And I would say, you can trust him for no other reason than, than the first place he ever guided you was to Jesus. Oh, that's good right there. The first place the Holy Spirit ever guided you was into a relationship with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 says, No one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If He led you to the source of life, then you can trust him to guide the rest of your life. So many people are confused about this person that we hear called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And he's only done good for you. He's only shown you that he's always in your corner. He's always for you, leading you into a relationship with Jesus, guiding you into a future that you didn't understand or comprehend, but he, he's leading and he's guiding. You never have to be alone. You never have to be helpless or feel disadvantaged. Second Peter 
tells us that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I have some power strips in my home. I want you to stand for this part. I have some power strips in my home. I'm sure you do as well. Power strips are useful when there are not enough outlets and you need access points to more power. But I want to be clear about that. Power strips do not give the house more power. They just multiply the access points of power. See, when God saved you, when God saved me, he did the internal wiring to supply you with all the power you would need by placing the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have all the power you need. Your problem is that you need more or you need to multiply your access and that only comes by knowing the Holy Spirit more. And for this reason, I would encourage you that you make a decision to pour yourself into knowing this best friend known as the Holy Spirit more than you ever have before so that you can take advantage of the advantage Jesus left us. I want to speak to two groups of people. I believe that God wants to do a couple different things. The prayer team, if you all, the staff, if you go ahead and get in place, be positioned and ready. I want to speak to those because there are two groups of people here that I want to talk to for this altar call. There are people in this room and watching online that it's time for you to choose to follow Jesus. It's that simple. It's time to choose to follow Jesus. And there's other people in this room that what you need is a fresh outpouring, fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that as people obey that, whether you need to choose to follow him follow Jesus today or you need to make that decision or that step toward I need a fresh outpouring I need a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit I believe the Holy Spirit is going to move in this place in a powerful way and your life's going to look a lot different when you exit this place as it did when you entered this place so I want you just for a moment I want to speak to the first group if you're in this place today you say pastor I need to choose Jesus I need to make him the Lord of my life. I'm not ready for heaven. I know that I'm not. I'm not right with God. But today I want to make things right with God. I'm making a choice to follow Jesus today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, you're talking to me, Pastor. I need to follow Jesus. I need to make that decision. Anyone at all, you say, that is me today. That is me today. Anyone at all in the house, anyone at all, Those watching online, we have some prayer moderators that will pray with you if you're making that decision. But I want to take it a a step further. I think it's great that you're in this place. And and I I would say that probably 98%, 99% of the people in this room, if not 100%, they already know Jesus. That's awesome. You're ready for heaven. 
but you can be ready for heaven and live powerless until you get there. And my encouragement to you is don't live in the earth without the power of the Holy Spirit and the friendship of the Holy Spirit. I believe that he wants to stir some people today. I believe he wants to fill some people today. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask that the worship team go ahead and get in place. I'm getting ready to exit this platform. Our prayer team, our staff, they're already ready. I'm going to come down and minister to people as well. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond to this altar call. I don't want you to think in your seat, you know what, that's a good message. I need to make him my best friend. I need to, you know, I need a fresh outpouring. I need, I need to be stirred. If that's your heart, if that's your prayer, I want you to get out of your seat. I'm so tired of cookie cutter church where we all just sit around and watch. I, I am, I'm up to here with it. Because I have to hear all week long how depressed people are how anxious people are, how addicted people are, how their relationships are always falling apart, how mad they are, how angry they are. When you've been given an invitation week after week that God will meet you and empower you and set you free, you can experience God in a way here today that will cause your tomorrow to look a lot better than your yesterday. And so I'm going to count to three. And if you say, I need to be stirred, I need to be filled, I want you to respond by getting out of your seat and making it to the altar. One, two, three. Now's your time to move. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.